Well, good morning, New Hope. Glad that you're here this morning with us as we dive into our second week of our series called Dollars and Cents. And so I appreciate that you're here this morning as we try to learn more of the biblical counsel from God's Word, the Bible, in an area that we don't tend to think about that he thinks about in our lives. And so I appreciate that you're here this morning because this morning I want to look at the whole idea of making sense of budgeting. Now, I know for some of you, you're like, oh, boring, boring, right? And that, because for some of you, you're like, hey, we use a budget, we do this stuff, I get it, that kind of stuff. Well, that's great, I appreciate that. But I would ask that you wouldn't turn your head off yet, but that you would listen throughout the whole next 23 minutes and take at least one area of our finances and apply it. Just one area and apply it, right? And so... This morning, I want to challenge you. You know, oftentimes, when we are done with stuff we don't want, we pack it up and we bring it to Goodwill and or locally here to the Shalom shop, and we take it in and we dump it off, and it's like, I'm done with this stuff. You can have it. You can have it. But you know what we don't bring to the Goodwill or to the Shalom shop? the stuff we do want. (laughs) We don't bring it there. The stuff we want to hold on to, we don't take it there and dump it off. We hold on to it. And that is a picture of our life and relationship with Jesus Christ. It is a picture of our life and relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. That means what is new? Every area of our life, from our thinking to our doing. When Jesus died on the cross, was buried, rose on the third day, it just wasn't so that our sins could be forgiven. It was so that he could redeem. He could buy back the wholeness of our life, every area of our life, from our thinking to our doing. And the one area that he also bought back and redeemed is our area of how we handle our finances. And so it's easy for us in our lives to say, hey, Jesus, you can have that area. You can have those areas. I don't want that. But when it comes to our finances, it's typically the last area that we are willing to give over. There's an old hymn called, Take My Life and Let It Be. And it has all these stanzas. Here's a couple of them. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. And the hymn writer goes on and covers every area of our life and says, I am willing to give this over to you, Jesus, because you are my Lord and you are my Savior. You're the owner of my life. The word consecrate in this hymn 
consecrate it, Lord, to lead me, means I am going to dedicate these areas of my life. I'm going to set them apart for you, Jesus. And so my question to you this morning is, have you consecrated your financial world to Jesus? Have you delivered it to him? Have you given it over? Have you set it apart to him? Or are you just bringing him the stuff? <laughs> I don't want to deal with that anymore. I didn't do a, do a good job. You know, you can have that stuff. I mean, honestly, where are we at this morning? Because as I look at the making sense of budgeting, this whole area has to do with how we handle our finances and do we handle them in a biblical way, the way that God intended, in a way that would give us freedom and peace. So we need to look at my financial needs. Proverbs 20.18 says, plans are established by seeking advice. So if you wage war, obtain guidance. I mean, sometimes we feel like also finances are like waging war, right? And the proverb says, well, hey, get some counsel. Get some advisors. I find it interesting that the first part of the word budget is budge. <laughs> is the word budge. And so this morning, my hope is that I will be able to get you to budge at least on one area of your finances, to take one action step as you leave here today, to budge. But when it comes to our overall finances, last week I talked about the good sense of money management, of our finances, and I used Coke cans last week as a picture of our earnings, of our overall earnings. But out of our overall earnings, we have to look at and realize in our finances what percentage of our overall earnings goes towards our spending, right? What do we spend on, okay? Then we have to ask the question, well, is there any of our earnings that we apply towards savings, a percentage, or any of our earnings that we apply towards giving, but then last week as well, I introduced the total opposite of our earnings and savings and giving, and that is the Pepsi can, right? If you're a Coke drinker, and the Pepsi can represents our debt, meaning that for most of us, oftentimes we spend more than we earn, and so we end up with Pepsi cans in our life which represents our debt, okay? So today, we need to ask the question, where am I at when it comes to my finances? You just ask that question to yourself. Where am I at when it comes to my finances? And the first area we need to look at is the importance of income in and income out. Income in, income out. You see, in reality, most households don't even recognize, hey, how much money do we actually make and how much money do we actually spend? They never track it or they never pay attention to it, right? And that's why, secondly, when it comes to our finances, we have to look at the importance of budgeting. The importance of budgeting, the importance of a budget. What percentage do you think of Americans do not or have never used a budget? What percentage? Get in your head. Would you say 10%? 20%? 
Would you say 30%? Would you say 40%? Would you say 50%? Would you say 60%? 60% of America ever, never. And yet, I placed every other seat out there a budget sheet, which looks like this. It's one page, depending on your expenses, but it basically gives you a picture of your income in, income out, and hey, what do I pay for garbage or cable? Or what do I pay for lawn service or whatever it might be? And where are my savings at? And this is a sheet you can take with you, but it's a basic sheet you just fill out. And it gives you this bigger picture of where you're at in your financial world. You see, biblically, God calls us to be stewards of what he has given us. In the Bible, in Psalm 24:1, it says that he owns it all. The earth is the Lord and everything in it, the people and all who are on it. He owns it all, but he's given it to us to be stewards, to manage for him. And so how do we manage that? You see, a budget is not just a collection of numbers. A budget reflects our values. A budget is just not a collection of numbers. A budget ultimately reflects our values. What is it we spend our money on overall? I mean, maybe you look at my budget and this and that and go, man, the guy loves Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> you know, whatever, I mean, whatever it might be. But you, you, if I showed you my checking account, my finances and that, you would be able to determine what my values are, what I value. And so a budget does that. So when it comes to where are we at today, you need to answer the question, you know, where are you at? Where is it when income in and come out, where are you at with just utilizing a budget, a one-sheet piece of paper and writing things down? But then thirdly, where are you at today is the importance of a will. The importance of a will. Now you ask, well, what's a will do, Right? Well, a will determines the distribution of your property and your children, if you have young children. A will determines who is going to get what if you pass away and who is going to take care of your children if you pass away or you and your spouse pass away. And that's important stuff. A will assigns an executor, whether it's a sibling that you trust or a friend you trust, that if you pass away, they distribute your property and make sure your kids are taken care of by the right people. And so whether you just got married yesterday or you have been married for 60 years, you need a will. You need a will. Even if you are not married a will is beneficial, and this is why. Because you have a choice. You can decide who is going to get your property or assets, and then also who is going to take care of your children under age 18, or you can leave it up to state law, which is really messy. What do you want to do? Do you want to make that decision, or do you want to just leave it up to state law and some lawyers and... and have them figure it out. I encourage you, if you do nothing, zero, zilch, else, walking out of here, if you don't have a will, please get a will. 
I mean, three to $500 to get a will. I mean, we've had a will, but now we've contacted our lawyer because we just need to update the will, make sure it's current and things are in order if something would happen to us. So I just implore you when it comes to where am I at today? Hey, income in, income out, budgeting and that, but do you have a will? It's critical. It's important. And I just want to encourage you to check the law. If you are living together and you've been living together for years with another individual and you have a blended family and all that, you need to know that you know that you know what would happen to you if you pass away. The house or your stuff or your children don't automatically go to who you've been living with. Because you're not married. You have to know that. I just encourage you at least check into this aspect so that you know that you know and that if something would happen that your property and your children are allocated as you would desire. Okay? Enough of that. Obviously, you think I, that's important to me, so just you do nothing else, walk out of here and say, let's get a will, right? But when it comes to our finance, it's just not about, hey, where am I at today, right? It's about where do I want to be? Where do I want to be? So our future thinking, right? And so when it comes to the area of our finances, one of our future thinking has to be what portion of our income, our earnings, are we going to utilize for savings, right? For savings, and a lot of us think, oh, savings, oh, man, you, have you lived with me? You know, I got so much debt or this or that. How could I do any savings? But in reality, we have to pay attention to this area of our lives. You know, it reminds me of the story of the, the dad who took his young son to the bank and set him up with the, the card and the, you know, checking account and all that kind of stuff and, and said, hey, you know, I'm setting you up at this bank. It's the biggest bank in the state and that. And after a month, his son came running to his dad and says, dad, dad, that bank is broke. They ran out of money. And his dad's like, hey, what do you mean? I mean, it's the biggest bank in the state. There's no way. They did, dad. They did. Look at, they sent back my check and they wrote on it, insufficient funds. <laughs> you know, but that's how we think, right? We're always looking at other people and we don't pay attention to what we need to do. And so when it comes to the idea of savings, technically they say that we should separate out 20% of our earnings towards savings. And then they break down that 20% and a first percentage, we need to decide what do we want for emergency fund? Hey, if the transmission goes out on the car or if the window breaks at the house, do we have what we need in the bank to at least cover that or help cover a portion of that? And then secondly, there's just the area of savings where you're saving for something. Okay, hey, we're saving to go to Florida, or we're saving for a new washing machine. Woo, woo, you know, exciting, right? You know, that kind of thing. We're just saving, all right? But then a third area of our saving has to do with investing. What are we putting away long term? And so out of that 20%, those three areas. And so when it comes to future thinking, we move then from savings then to investing, because saving and investing is different is different. Our savings is money that we can get at right away. So our emergency fund, we can get at it right away, 
okay? Our saving for Florida, hey, we can get at it right away. If, if something really hits the fan or whatever, well, we don't go to Florida, we do this instead or whatever. But when it comes to our investing, it's long-term habit, and it's money we just can't get at. We can't go to the ATM and say, hey, I'm going to you know, withdraw from my investing in that. But it's long-term investment. And it's a habit that we develop. It's a muscle, financial muscle that we develop. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. And part of the challenge when it comes to investing Many people say, well, hey, I have so much debt, you don't understand. I can't invest anything. I got so much debt. And there's actually a tension between debt and investing. Should I pay down debt, and that's it, or should I invest? But what I have heard is that do both. And the way you do both is that, hey, if you have debt, which we'll talk about next week, pay it down, but practice in some small way the financial muscle of investing even if it's a little bit. I remember when my wife and I got engaged in that, we visited with a financial planner. And at that time, you know, we were able to put away $25 a month. (laughs) $25 a month. You know, and now it's up to $26 a month. And so, I mean, we're doing really good. But you know how that, that, just that practice, that practice. And so, uh, two of my four daughters have graduated college. They're working, uh, supporting themselves, yeah, and that, and they're doing great, and that. But they have student loan that they need to pay off. And when they graduated, I had them visit with a financial planner and get an idea of, hey, this is where you're at today, and here's how your future could look. And the financial planner, who was very wise, and gracious said, hey, listen, you have your debt for your student loans, and so that's number one priority for us to structure that so you can pay that down as fast as you can. But what areas could you at least start the financial muscle of investing? What could you do? And both of them, fortunately, were at companies where they matched uh, anything that they invested. So they could put away 3% out of their check, the company would automatically do that, and then the company would match the 3%. So automatically, they were saving 6%, but they were getting 3% of free money. So why wouldn't you do that? It's free money. And so he said, hey, just do that. Don't worry about anything else. Just apply that, pay down your loans. Zechariah 4.10 in the Old Testament says this, don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise small beginnings, whether it's $5 or $10 or $1, whatever it is. You know, and some people say, well, I don't have that kind of money to invest. The last I've checked is money looks all the same (laughs) to me. It looks all the same. There's not like that kind of money, okay? And so I just encourage you there. So when it comes to looking at our future, what is our idea and our plan for saving? What is our idea or plan and practice for investing. But the third one, what is our idea or plan for insuring? Insuring. Now, this goes back to the will. Not super exciting, right? But insurance. And I'm not talking about car insurance, boat insurance, ATV insurance, but I'm talking about life insurance. Do you have life insurance so that if something would happen to you, your family would be cared for? taken care of. 
And if both spouses are working, both spouses have to look at the idea of life insurance because you're dependent on this income of each spouse, right? And so if something tragic would happen to that spouse, that income now just disappears, and where are you at? Do you have any kind of insurance that would supplement their income at least for a while until you can rearrange something? And so the importance of life insurance is critical. And again, even if you just got married yesterday, well, congratulations, but get some insurance and pay attention to this area of your future financial plan. And so we have savings, we have investing, we have insuring, but lastly, when it comes to the idea of where do we wanna be in our finances, we have to look at the area of giving as well. What portion of our earnings are we going to set aside to give? Because the reality is, our life is just not about getting, but it is also about giving. There's a book that was out years ago, spectacular book. I love taking people through it, and I am right now with a group up in Bram, but it's called The Purpose Driven Life. And the very first line in the book, in the first chapter, is this. It's not all about us. It's not all about us. And when it comes to our financial future and plan, we need to recognize it's not all about us. It's not all about just getting, but it's also about releasing and giving. Why? Because we are made in the image of our Creator God, and our Creator God is a giver. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? This day, today, he is providing our daily bread needs. He will provide us the food we need. We have clothing, shelter, transportation. He is a giver. And he calls us to reflect him in this area. So when it comes to our financial plan and future, there needs to be a healthy balance between getting and giving. And so where are you at today? Where is it you want to be? And then as I close up, can I get there? Can I get there? You can if you have small steps and practices in building your financial muscle. But how do I get there? Well, I encourage you to get there by partnering up with a financial planner because a financial planner, as well, will help you then to stay on track. Because how do we stay on track? Proverbs 15.22 says this, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. They succeed. And if we look at reality, 8% of people fulfill their New Year's resolutions. 8%. 92% of people fail by January 20th. So what that tells me is that in the room here today, 8% of you, when it comes to your financial future, can handle it on your own and manage it on your own. The other 92% of you, including myself, can't. Can't figure it out. Can't work it out. And so a financial planner gives you a plan and then helps you with a level of accountability where they check in and say, how are you doing? What's happening? What's going on in that area of your life? And so as we continue through this series another couple weeks, I will 
give you four financial planners in this area that I feel comfortable encouraging you to visit with. And what you need to recognize is that when you go in, they don't charge you to visit with them and just to talk to them about, hey, what is it you do? Show me. What is it you can do for me and in my world and where I'm at? They don't. And rarely as well, do you have to write them a check throughout your experience with them? I think the whole time my wife and I have had our financial planner and that, we've maybe written three checks for $30, $40 or whatever because something was transferred or whatever. And so there's these misperceptions we need to get rid of or this whole idea of embarrassment. Well, I don't handle them well and my money well or I don't have any money. If we didn't have any money, we'd all be sitting in here naked and we would have walked here, right? We have money, we have something and so the idea is to, to live our lives overall, but especially in the area of finances, to live our lives proactively instead of reactively. To live our lives proactively instead of reactively. And the way that we can do that is, first of all, by not just bringing to Jesus the stuff we don't want. Hey but the stuff we do want and give it all to him. And so as you walk out of here today, I just encourage you, apply one thing, one thing. And if you don't have a will or insurance, please look at those two things. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you're Bible, your relationship with us is comprehensive, that you care about every area of our life. And Lord, it's true. Yeah, we're not perfect. And we're going to struggle, even if we have a level of accountability or input or all that kind of stuff. But I pray, Lord, here that the 60% without a will or budgeting, that that would move to less and less and that we'd be good stewards and be proactive of what you've provided for us. In your holy name, amen.